0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, on today's program, we are privileged to have a couple of really delightful guests joining us. Senior pastor from Centerville Presbyterian Church in Fremont. And what a delight to have join us, Pastor Sam and Evie not near us. Great to have you both along. This is going to be an exciting conversation. Hey, thanks so much for having us, Craig. Love to get a chance to get to know a bit of both about your ministry and what God has been doing, but kind of take us back in in your journey. You were mentioning to me before we came on the air today that um, you folks came up from Southern California. You had been pastoring down in Arcadia for my goodness, well over a decade, and um, God um, had a calling, and there was a bit of a paradigm shift, and suddenly, without having to get a passport, you came into a new land <laughs> because I would imagine that there is some culture shock going from southern california to the san francisco bay area but also at the same time what a delight in spite of the challenges of having this happen during the middle of covid you've really come into an area where yeah, sin does abound but grace even more so abounds and what a delight to know that there's a chance here to practically minister and and share the good news with anybody and everybody you run into
1: you know, it's interesting, Craig, because there's a call on our life to reach the nations. And that was the beginning of how we found out about Centerville. I was actually in a group uh, of pastors we call Presbytery, and all our sister churches are together. And I was not yet part of the Presbytery, but I was hanging out because they just love Jesus and loved the Bible. And we're a great group of churches And we were around a table, and this group of churches said, we're going to adopt a particular people group. And then they said the name. They said Pashtun. And then the Lord almost just whispered in my ear. There was nothing audible, but it's like I heard in my spirit, Sam, you're going to be part of that. And I thought, well, Lord, I've never heard of these people. I don't know anything about them, but okay. I went home and I talked to my wife, Evie, and said, honey, we, we need to pray about this. It, I felt like the Lord told me we're going to be part of reaching this people group. Well, long story short, Fremont's known as Little Kabul and has one of the greatest uh, concentrations of Afghans around. And this particular people group is part of the Afghan country and uh, Bay Area has a large concentration. So this church just down the street from Little Kabul, asked me to send my resume. And so that was part of how I knew that the Lord wanted us to come here
0: this has been kind of a fascinating journey evie you guys were uh, pastoring down in uh, georgia i understand for well over a decade before you made the transition to southern california now to northern california how has that transition been like for the family in terms of how different these areas are you gone from the bible belt region essentially of the country to a part of the country that's not even the bible suspenders
2: For us, I feel like it's really been beautiful to see just where God has called us to love and what people group he's called us to lean into. So I feel like while we spent time in the South, there was very much this ask of us to sit well with people who believed in a more of a cultural Christianity. And so the the youth that we worked with often came from families that were Christian, but they didn't know what it really meant to have this personal, deep, abiding, growing relationship with Christ. And so the challenge for us was how do we make Jesus accessible and real to a people whose language is really crafted around him sounding that way But it's not fleshing out through their soul in necessarily the way that they live or move or breathe or have their being in the world. And so that was, in a sense, a different kind of people group. And then when we moved to Southern California, God was very clear that he wanted us to reach the Chinese community group. And so we began to open up our home and have people live with us from China. And again, getting to see our family grow and its understanding of the cultural language of Mandarin and loving people well who felt displaced that they didn't have community or family. um, Again, drew us closer together, I believe, as a family and having a passion for that community group. And then the shift here, I feel, was probably the harder one because that was the time when my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so it was during that point that we were trying to adjust to being here and trying to adjust to helping him acclimate to this community. And I would say the most beautiful thing that happened was my dad was a world traveler, went around the world setting up stock exchanges for other countries. And he loved India as a country of above all countries and literally walking at our front door where God placed us here in Fremont. He can see people from not only all over the world, but our Indian population is beautifully large. And so he just can have conversations that are so familiar uh, as he walks around our neighborhood. And feels very loved by our church because, again, there are people from all over the world who come to our church.
1: One of the things I love to do is uh, take a jog at the end of the day. And when I jog through my neighborhood, I smell the best Indian food wafting out into the into the streets, and it's just wonderful. And I think the Marriage Supper of the Lamb is going to have food from everywhere.
0: Oh, I I hope so, because I tell you what, a, 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 a little bit of curry and some tandoori chicken goes a long way. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struck by that notion, and, and Evie, you, you began to touch on this, the idea of the capacity to understand how to love and communicate the gospel cr- culturally. And sometimes we think that only means people that look different than us, that speak different than us, that come from different parts of the world than us. But sometimes even that capacity cross-culturally might be between the individual who's highly educated, smack dab in the middle of Silicon Valley, and is resistant to the gospel, to the individual perhaps who has been raised as a nun, meaning they've never been exposed to the gospel at all, their parents didn't take them to church, they're not necessarily hostile towards religion or Christianity, but they don't don't have an opinion either way, they're, they're, you know, what's the old saying? They're neither they're either an atheist nor an agnostic. And so the ability, I think, to be able to, as Paul said, be all things to all men that I might win some, I think is, is a critical skill. And particularly given the, the changing face of not just the Bay Area, but even the world where it's no longer just isolated national communities that, that we are literally, whether we like globalism or not, is not the point. The fact that we see different people from different places all around us, this is part of normal living. Would you say that that capacity to know how to love and communicate the gospel cross-culturally to the broader definition is really a skill set that all of us need?
1: Oh, I think that's an absolute necessity because we begin with the end in mind, right? What does the end say? Revelation 7, 9, and every tribe, tongue, and nation is going to be gathered before the throne. So we're really just getting ready for that final worship service in which we need to bring the gospel to the least and the lost. There are people who open their eyes this morning and they've never heard of Jesus, and they might live across the street. That's the crazy thing about the Great Commission. It's now from here to the ends of the earth, to here to across the street, because the world has come to us. And the Great Commission has never been closer within reach because we just need to be obedient, open our eyes, and say, Lord, I don't know what to say. And so we start by saying, Hi, I'm Sam. What's your name? This is my dog, Snowman. And Snowman is amazing because he introduces us to people from everywhere,
0: and he's cute to everyone. He's the icebreaker, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so then, what I think I hear you saying is that this capacity to be able to to cross culturally know how to adopt and to communicate and to share maybe not only a necessity in a sense in terms of effective witnessing and, and being what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus, but I would imagine this is also kind of um, what should we call it rehearsal for for the end times because there's going to be a day when you know Christ all calls us to heaven. And it's not going to look like just, well, here's the section where all of the Presbyterians sit, the Methodists are over there, and whomever. But in fact, all of those labels are going to disappear, and we're all simply going to be individuals that have been bought with a price for whom Christ died and has redeemed. And now we're seated there, joint heirs with the Son, heirs of the Father as, as the true bride of Christ. And so in some respects, this is almost rehearsal for what our eternity experience is going to look like, would you say? That's exactly right, Craig.
2: And I would say that, you know, sitting in this place of curiosity and listening well, being people who are warm and welcoming, really allows us to sit well with the nations, with people who are different, with people who have different opinions, with people who are from different cultures or even um, age groups, is really honestly being curious about their lives and wanting to get to know them and then being able to lean into participating in their lives in ways that God invites us because we're so curious about um who they are in the world and what their joys are and what their sorrows are.
1: And I think that's the thing that everybody has. And I think we live in a world that focuses on the differences. And the reality is these are people who love their families, who love their children, who want the same things that you and I want. But sometimes because of a language gap or a cultural gap, people focus on the differences instead of just getting to know them as people, just like Jesus. He loved them. And like Evie said, you know, they have sorrows, they have joys. Can we enter into that space and just have a conversation and then be praying as we talk? Lord, what do you want me to say? How can I love these people?
0: Well, if you've just joined us, our conversation today with the senior pastor of Centerville Presbyterian Church, Pastor Sam Nodneris and his delightful wife, Evie. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation in just a moment. And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our special guest today, Senior Pastor of Centerville Presbyterian Church of Fremont, Pastor Sam Notnerus, and his delightful and charming wife, Evie. Evie, Sam, you have demystified something that so many struggle with and, and we hear it all the time you know I would, I would be happy to go out and, and share my faith more but I just don't feel properly equipped I'm not a theologian I, I haven't studied scripture the way pastor did I, I never went to Moody Bible Institute I have a hard time memorizing scripture what if they ask me a question I can't answer and so sometimes I think that notion of my faith being something very private and personal just becomes an excuse And yet, Abby, as you pointed out, if we just want to take an opportunity to lean into their lives and recognize that, you know, some plant the seed, others water, and yet for others the harvest – and and perhaps take the stress off of us and just say, you know, lean in, engage, uh, a, a kind word, hey, the neighbor that's hurting, uh, gee, can I pray for you, that, that this is far less complicated than we want to make it, and then maybe it's the enemy himself who tries to overcomplicate the entire process, that therefore then drive so many Christians into the closet, meaning that we're afraid to, 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 to expose others to who we are as a believer in Jesus. And, and we just feel that this whole discipleship thing is just way over our heads because we're not an expert at it. And yet, you know, you look back in the beginning, uh, Paul wasn't an expert either. And he winds up being the principal author of the New Testament and uh, arguably one of the most significant leaders of the early church. And yet some might say back from a historical perspective, he would have been the last guy anybody would have chosen for that role. And yet God knew. And you know whom he calls, he equips. That's right.
2: That's right. And I feel like our humility as followers of Jesus can really show up and shift to those spaces where we might feel you know less confident or uncomfortable because if someone does ask us a question that we don't know the answer to it is so profound to be able to say you know, I'm really not sure about that, but I love that question. Can I get back to you on that? We don't have to be people who know everything. We can be people who admit, hey, I'm human. I don't have all the answers or, hey, you know what? I've thought about that as well. Or boy, there was a point in my life where I had a similar question. And be able to share our life stories. That is something we all have to bring to the table is our own lives and organically sharing the ways that God has changed us or shifted us. I mean, when I share with somebody how I had to make a repair, how I showed up in a space where I was not patient or kind the way that I wanted to be as a follower of Jesus and had to then turn around and say, you know. I did not accurately represent Jesus right there. Or, wow, I did not show up as kind as I would want to. And I am so sorry about that. Like, I want to treat you with respect and kindness always. And that's just not how I showed up right now. That makes a profound difference. And that is something we all can do because we all make mistakes. We all show up in imperfect ways in our humanity. And we can own that. And I think that's something that shows how different um, somebody who follows Jesus can be because we're willing to admit that being human makes us show up these ways. But because we live forgiven, we don't have to carry the shame. We can make the repairs, we can see restoration, we can see redemption, and we can watch God heal in beautiful ways.
0: And you know, this restorative process, again, Paul talked about work out your salvation, meaning that yes, while coming to Christ, that is a, a, a single experience, so to speak, But the process of becoming that new creation in Christ Jesus, of putting off the old man and and learning to to change your thinking and and, and put on the mind of Christ, that's a process. Thank God that the Lord was gracious and wise enough instead of saying, okay, I'm going to save you, but once you become saved, one false move, one mistake, and that's it, you're out. The totality of his work on the cross, capable not only of, of forgiving us and reconciling us to the Father, but to know too that He extends His grace, that when we mistake, make mistakes along the way, that He's capable and just to forgive us, and He's in the restorative business. I mean, what 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 a delight to know that God says, "Hey, I know you made some mistakes. I had many many years of watching the children of Israel making mistakes, and therefore I decided, you know what." I got a new plan, and and thank God we're able to experience the, the, the joy of the new covenant. And I think that those kind of lessons, and I have to wonder for both of you, because you have children, and, and and Sam, you were involved in youth ministry. Isn't it important to even instill some of these values in our children at the earliest of an age to understand that when you make a mistake, it's not that you've made the mistake, it's to go back and be able to recognize you've made the mistake Ask for forgiveness, change your ways, reach out in love and in reconciliation. I think that goes a lot farther than simply somebody who says, yeah, I made a mistake. Oh, well, end of story.
1: Yeah, I I think how we flesh this out in our families is ground zero in our own family. uh, You say, you know, we're parents. This is one of the really rough stories for us when we moved up here. Uh, we have a daughter that we adopted from birth. And uh, the birth mom we had known since she was four years old, she was in our youth group uh, back in Georgia. And when she was 17, she called us and said, hey, I'm pregnant. I really want to keep this little girl, but I can't. I don't have the support I need. And you guys are the only ones I trust to be able to, to adopt her. Wow! And so we were there at the hospital at birth, and we raised uh, our daughter. And it it was great because we lived out the gospel. She was part of our ministry. Uh, When we had our friends over, she was playing with the kids, and we're talking to the parents. And and so uh, there is an amazing uh, vitality of Jesus just in our family and people. People would be drawn to that, and they would wonder what we had. Uh, but when we moved up here to the bay area in the middle of covid it was really hard cuz we moved away from everything she ever knew and for 11 years we actually kept up that promise to the birth mom to keep an open relationship and so we were back and forth every year sharing and and visiting with grandparents and uh, on the birth mom side And so when we got here in the middle of COVID, away from everything she'd ever known, there was something in her that longed to be with her birth mom, and then her birth mom had a little boy. And part of her, I think, asked the question, why did he stay and she didn't let me stay? And so we began this agonizing process of praying, Lord, you know what we have, you've given to us. We're not owners, we're stewards is this something that you're asking us to do? Are you asking us to reunite our daughter? And the agonizing part of being a parent sometimes is seeing things that we never thought or dreamed of with our kids happen. And so we made an agonizing choice to reunite our daughter with her birth mom. And it's really, it's changed us as people. It's changed me as a pastor because now, I have a pain and a grief in me that affects my preaching. It affects the way I handle grief with other people. I I had a a woman come to me and say, you know, years ago, I lost my husband and somebody at church said, don't worry, you'll get over it. (laughs) I'm like, are you serious? People just because people are from church doesn't mean they're going to they're not going to say stupid things. Mm. Uh, You know, we, we need Jesus to inform our grief. How did Jesus handle grief? He sat with people and he and he wept with them, even even when he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And so I, I was able to say to this woman, you know, it's OK to weep. It's OK to grieve. And she was just so blessed because she felt like she had permission from the senior pastor to be able to experience that grief and sit in that and also know that there's a joy. And and so I, I would say, you know, in terms of our family, um, what what God has done is is has been huge in helping us process our grief.
0: And you know, in, in other examples, there are so many families uh, who face similar circumstances. Now, uh, per- perhaps not identical to yours, but the family that's done all the right things, led a child to the Lord, raised them in the fear and admonition of. And then they reach a stage where they go rogue. They, they decide they don't want to follow that pathway. And all of a sudden now parents are estranged from a son or daughter. The relationship is, is broken. And there is such a profound heartache that it seems as if the, no, no, no amount of love or compassion will ever be able to, to, to heal that or fill that space. Well, if you've just joined us, our conversation today with the senior pastor of Centerville Presbyterian Church, Pastor Sam Notneris, and his delightful wife, Evie. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our special guest today, senior pastor of Centerville Presbyterian Church of Fremont, Pastor Sam Notneris, and his delightful and charming wife, Evie. You alluded to this, Pastor Sam, that um, they're only on loan from God and that, you know what, they can try to escape our grasp, but they're never going to escape the hound of heaven. And I think sometimes we need to lean into that awareness and know that, you know, e- even in the midst of our, of our grief and our pain, whatever that form that may take, that um, God's got a bigger plan afoot here. And you just alluded to something a moment ago. How sometimes these experiences, while we might struggle to try to make sense of them, we can take a step back and say, yeah, but you know, as a result of this, the Lord has, has has fine-tuned my sense of awareness of the pain of others that has now given me an ability to be able to speak hope and encouragement to them when they felt so hopeless because there's a relatability that I now have and and, and suddenly now God has opened up a door for a whole different ministry path maybe not one that you invited or wanted or expected but a whole new ministry path to be able to bring encouragement and hope to parents who are hurting for a variety of reasons
2: That is so true I feel like when we made that choice to show our church what redemptive love looks like we opened this place up for everyone to be able to lean into, okay, are we people that sit well with others? Do we allow for the grief and the joy? Are we willing to sit in the turmoil and agony of the crucifixion, waiting with great hope and anticipation for the resurrection Mm -hmm. in the ways that we as our families and as our country and as our communities are experiencing loss and grief. I mean, COVID was hard on people and cancer is hard on families and Alzheimer's is hard on families and, and children who walk away from our families is difficult. All of these things open us up to being able to experience our relationship with God in a deeper and more sacred and holy way, and then to be able to offer that to those around us who are also grieving. And so while this is an incredibly painful season for us, because it's been a year since we've seen her, I would say that we have absolutely relished the way that God has used this to make our church a place where people feel welcome and seen and heard and valuable and understood in the midst of whatever they're going through in their lives that it's a place they feel like they can share and that they're going to be loved well by their you know pastor and his wife who know what it is to sit in really hard places Um, with compassion and empathy. I
1: think there's probably some of your listeners out there right now that are really struggling Mm -hmm. and they've got their own story. Mm -hmm. They've got their own hurt, their own pain. And I think what we would say to them is that, you know, we don't like the chapter that we're in right now with the grief that we continue to experience. And I've never faced anything more excruciating than, than this separation that we've had from our little girl. But what I also know is that God is not done writing the story. Amen. And if it's not good yet, God's not done yet.
0: I think so often we, we put on masks. We try not to let that slip when we're hurting. And then we kind of just get stuck in that pain we we, we we eschew the opportunity to reach out and get encouragement and support from the body of believers as we should we're sometimes confused as to how to even take this to the cross and so as a result that 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 well of pain gets deeper and deeper maybe it even it, some roots of bitterness begin to grow into there and before you know it it not only isolates us from others it ultimately sadly isolates us from God. And yet, we're supposed to be there to bear one another's burdens, and so fu- and so fulfill the law of Christ. And and Evie, you you kind of alluded to that that passage in Philippians three. You know, I think every Christian listening right now, of course, wants to know the Lord in the power of His resurrection. Wow, that sounds exciting! Overcoming the grave. Wow, I want to know that. But then, too, to also be able to understand uh, the fellowship of his sufferings and we don't always understand this, and I bet there's going to be some aspects of this, and Pastor, you've got a degree from Moody Bible Institute. Uh, There are things where I'm sure there are even times with you as an educated man that it it, it eludes, the answers elude you. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm reminded of that, that notion of, you know, though now we see through a glass dimly, when we see him, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I think sometimes in the here and now, in the midst of our grief and our pain, we don't fully understand it, but Evie, you said it. The story is still being written, and you know what? As we lean into our faith and trusting God that He's got a bigger plan, and He's got the 30,000 foot high view that we don't, God in the end is going to be glorified, and we may have to go through a little bit of the the fellowship of His sufferings along the way, but I think in that process, it deepens us, it refines us, it draws, it draws us closer to Him, and Pastor Sam, you mentioned this. It really helps to fine tune our capacity to relate to up uh, to relate to others that are hurting, and therefore be able to communicate to them the hope that lies within us, and how that same hope is available to them through Christ Jesus.
1: You now one of the things I've been thinking about with that hope is is that a full third of the Psalms are laments. And we, we have a culture in American culture that is try to keep a stiff upper lip and just be positive. But we have forgotten how to suffer and sit with each other. And, and I love what Tim Keller said. He said, you know, it's one thing. It's a sin to complain to someone else. But when you complain to God, that's a prayer. And so when we bring our complaints to God, when we bring our hurts to God, we lay out our argument, then we turn in in trust and then we have the opportunity to see what he's doing. But God's big enough to hear our hurts, to sit with us and for us to be able to sit with each other and not just. Our church friends, how about our neighbors and other people, or or maybe the Trader Joe's checkout person's having a hard day. Do we sit with them in the 30 seconds or two minutes we have with them and go, wow, how's your week? Oh, boy, you know, it's." and you have this empathy that you can care for the people that God puts in your path in your everyday life. People do have joys and they do have sorrows. And it's a lot easier to spend time, I think, in the joys than the sorrows, but it's a deep work that our world is longing for.
0: Christ himself was the example. Uh, Every notable time in Scripture during his three-and-a-half-year ministry on earth, where he went to minister to groups of people, to the hundreds, to even the thousands, Uh, there was always a focus on felt needs and, and being able to go and meet people where their pain was, where their hurting was, and to not only bring a word of encouragement, but ultimately to reveal himself as Lord and Savior. And I would imagine that there's aspects of this experience for you and Evie that must have not only revolutionized your 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 understanding of of uh, the pain that people go through but revolutionized the way you approach many topics
2: so one of the beautiful things i think that god has invited us into as well is this this i think this question of identity and i think that we struggle so much sometimes in our culture with who am i and does my life matter and as followers of Jesus, to be able to answer that question of identity, that's critical. So I spend a lot of time with the 20s and 30s in our church. That's kind of a population that I love to shepherd. And when this really hard thing happened to me, I was sitting at the table with them doing a Bible study. And they were talking about the struggle of being single or the struggle of wondering if God would ever you know, call them to marriage or their friends who were having kids and the different roles that they got to be in and felt like they were missing out or not having the ability to find a job that they really liked. All these different things were kind of tearing away at their feeling of worth and their value. And when I was able to look at that table and say, so when I was no longer able to be a mom did that touch my value? Did that change my identity? And to watch the looks on their faces, as I said, absolutely not. It took away a role from my life, which is a part of me, but no circumstance, no nothing comes into my life that touches my identity. And I think that's something beautiful we offer also in this really Hard season is being able to say, like, I know who I am because I know whose I am, mm-hmm. and my roles may shift and change, but whose I am, therefore, who I am, does not shift. And so it allows us, again, to show up more compassionately with people and bring truth in an empathic way to them, saying, yes, it's difficult to be unemployed. Yes, it's difficult to be labeled as having cancer or going through something difficult or having a child wander. But whose you are, who you are, that never shifts. And that bedrock is our foundation. And gives us the ability to get up every day within the grief and the confusion and the anxiety and the fear still with joy and hope and a deep sense of trust in who God is because we know we are his.
0: And what a profound way to be able to proclaim who he is to us. You know, we often talk about in the church, um, how we serve our faith, serve through our faith, in our faith. I don't know that always we are a testimony to others to show how our faith serves us. And to know that that identity is not based on what we do for a living, who we're married to, how much money is in the bank account, but rather is singularly and solely based on our identity in Christ Jesus and the work that he has done and to whom we belong, as you point out, Evie. Well, if you've just joined us, our conversation today with the senior pastor of Centerville Presbyterian Church, Pastor Sam Nodneris and his delightful wife, Evie. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our special guest today, Senior Pastor of Centerville Presbyterian Church of Fremont, Pastor Sam Notneros and his delightful and charming wife, Evie. Sam and Evie, let me return back to what we were discussing just a few moments ago. The chance to be able to minister to others in such an effective way that now all of a sudden it makes that huge paradigm shift from talking about who this Jesus is to living out our life experience and relationship with him and how it touches and impacts our life, our thinking, the way we engage, uh, the the way we're sustained through, through his promises and through hope. Talk about hope casting to people that are feeling as if Their prayers never reach beyond the top of the ceiling. There is no hope whatsoever. It's all just, you know, doom and gloom. There there is behind all of this such a message of encouragement and the profoundness of God's gift to us through Christ Jesus, especially as we mark uh, this during the Christmas season, I, I think in many ways should should encourage us that there is a, 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 a tremendous fount of hope through Christ Jesus and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit active in our lives if we'll just allow Him uh, to work in and through us in that fashion.
1: You know, one of the things I love about our church is they're Jesus with skin on, they're the body of Christ, they're the hands and feet of Jesus in Fremont. Last year, we fed about 14,000 meals to a lot of our hungry and unhoused friends and people need sometimes just to have their bellies filled so that ears can hear past the rumbling of this of that stomach that that is longing for some sustenance but they have sustenance they need that's more than just food and so this is what I long to see more and more of is that our compassion leads to content. Jesus had compassion on the crowds, so he taught them, he taught them. And so we need to be able to move people from task to relationship. And this is one of the things I love about what we're doing. We've even partnered with the city of Fremont. They bring shower trucks in and laundry trucks. And so not only can they get a meal, they can get a shower, they can do some laundry. We're partnering with various organizations to meet real needs. But then we have chaplains and we're looking for more people with a heart for those who are downcast to be able to say, hey, how can I pray for you? And then just listen and listen to what these wonderful people who've had incredibly hard lives look past the, that facade, that the outside of, of the hardened, rough street life and see their soul that they are crying out for help and for hope. And we have it in the gospel and we also give them a meal. And it makes a big difference.
0: It would be my prayer, and I join you in this notion, that this time of year especially, we would begin to retool our thinking and to really truly make an effort every single waking day to be Jesus with skin on and uh, to therefore learn what it means to be disciples and to impact not just our Judea and our Samaria, but literally the uttermost parts of the earth, which as we talked about at the start of our conversation today, we're we're uniquely privileged to do here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Well, this holiday season in particular, uh, Pastor not near us, there's undoubtedly folks that would say, you know, hearing this conversation, I kind of feel like I want to get back involved in church again. and And I'm interested in learning more about the life and ministry in the body of Christ uh, uh, functioning and flowing at Centerville Presbyterian Church. Just take a minute, if you would, and tell us a bit about service times, what God is doing, and the opportunities for not only engagement, but ministry at Centerville Presbyterian.
1: Sure. Well, we have church every Sunday morning at 1030, and we're also online at cpcfremont.org. And you can watch anytime, but we would really love to meet you in person. There's nothing like being able to give you a hug or a high five or a handshake and say, welcome home. Uh, Sometimes I I ask people, do you have a church home? And if they say no, I say, well, welcome home, because we want to be a warm place that uh, shares life equips disciples and engage community, and that's our vision. I love that we're a historic church with a fresh vision that says we want to make disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples, and this happens as we share life with people. We equip disciples, help them put down roots in who Jesus is, and then we turn around and engage community, which brings us back to sharing life, and so every Sunday at 1030. So one of the things I love that we do is games at the park at Dusterberry Park in Fremont, and the Saturday before the first Sunday of the month, we just get out and play with our kids, and it's a great time to meet the community. Imagine doing outreach outside the four walls of the church. So we want to go hang out, meet our community, and so if you want to come to the park before you come to church, we'd love to meet you there too.
2: And I love that we have opportunities for caring for children who can't afford tutoring, maybe they come from underprivileged families. And so we have a tutoring program. So if you have a heart for teaching and helping children, we do that as well. And as we, again, really believe that it's important to reach the nations, we've got a ministry that cares for the Afghan community and we teach them English. And we're always looking for people to come and care for the children while the men and the women learn English and um, feel cared about.
1: So every, every Sunday before church at 10 o'clock, we've got coffee and donuts out. I would love to meet you. I'd love to get to know your name. I'd love to hear how we can pray for you. But I'd love to know what your passion is and what you want to learn and how you want to serve. And I think the main thing is, how do we set people free to do what God created them to do?
2: Greet you in the back of the church with a hug if you want one. I love it. That's my place as people come in.
0: I love it. Well, as you've heard, multiple opportunities to both grow and serve at Centerville Presbyterian Church. They meet Sundays again at 1030 a.m., 4360 Central Avenue.
1: So right on Central Boulevard, just across the street from the DMV. So if you know where our Lady of the DMV is, we're across the street.
0: Again, Sunday mornings, 1030 AM, 4360 Central Avenue in Fremont. Information available, you can call the church directly at area code 510-793-3575. That's 793-3575, or see them on the web at cpcfremont.org. That's CPC for Centerville Presbyterian Church, CPC Fremont.org. If you or perhaps somebody who has said, you know, I've kind of hesitated going into church because I just don't know if they'll get me or if they'll understand the challenges that I face, the things that I've been through. I hope you've really heard the heart of Evie and Sam Notneros today and uh, where their heartbeat is, um, not only in their own life experience, but where their heartbeat is for other people and uh, their eagerness to want to share and to care and to love and to be Jesus with skin on. So we invite you to come on down Sunday morning and check them out. Centerville Presbyterian Church. I'd like to again thank my guests on this segment of the program, Evie and uh, Sam Notneros, Thank you so much for both of you spending some time with us today. Pastor, it's been an absolute delight.
1: Thanks so much, Craig. Thank you.